Geekville Radio. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, geeks and geek guests. This is Seth, a.k.a. Xander, actually Mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio, coming at you with an episode. Now, this is going to be kind of a supplement to the solo show I did last week. We're going to talk Loki, because after I recorded last week's episode, the fourth episode of Loki aired, and then we will take the second half of the show to kind of do a prep and a review of the character of Black Widow in preparation for the movie finally coming out after all this time. And since it may be Natasha's swan song on the big screen, we'll talk some Black Widow. And coming back after missing a week, the crazy train Jonathan Bullock. Train, how have things uh, been for the last week? All aboard, ladies and gentlemen. I had a little, a little bit of some health issues, and so Seth had to fly solo, but I'm back. I'm feeling a little better, so... Let's be honest. You talked a lot of snake eyes on the on the on the solo one, which I'm not a big GI Joe guy. I guess so. It probably worked out to the for the best, <laughs> right? Didn't right? It? Yeah, because it just would have been me talking about snake eyes anyway. So. And I would have been whistling Dixie even while you were doing that. So. <laughs> right. But I know we did both want to talk Loki. I think it was one of the mm-hmm. probably the biggest thing we both wanted to talk about because we hadn't really talked much of the show. And I've been enjoying the show. Obviously, there's things that have changed a bit. And I know that there's people talking about, uh, is this what is causing Loki to turn good and such? First off, I think it's been pretty well established that this is the Loki right after first Avengers film. Right. And I guess first off, I should probably get your take as far as you think as far as how the story's being told and how Loki's being handled and Sylvie and the whole nine yards with that. I, I've talked to a lot of people who are like us watching it regularly and like us are both big fans of the MCU and to the person, every one of them has said, of the three series that we've gotten on Disney+, Plus, this is their favorite. And I have to echo that sentiment. I don't know if it's because Tom Hiddleston as Loki has been playing that role longer than Anthony Mackie or S- Sebastian Stan or, or Elizabeth Olsen or Paul Bettany. Well, I guess Paul Bettany probably just as long because he was doing the voice of Jarvis from the first MCU movie but in the fully you know fully formed as with a body. So, I don't know if that's the reason why. I think that probably is part of it. I think we both agree and we've said many times Tom Hiddleston is in my opinion and I think you said in your opinion as well, one of the standouts of the entire MCU. I mean, we we praise the casting all the time, but he is in that like top 3 or 4 casting jobs, you know, embrace the role. So, I think that probably has something to do with it. And We've not really had time travel in the MCU. We've had dimensional stuff, and we're going to get deeper into it. We got that in WandaVision. We'll get deeper into it with Doctor Strange. Um, and, um, we had time, it in Endgame, but even then, yeah, but that's it, it. it was a self-contained. It was different. You know, yeah. That, that was basically Tony. I, I think they thought of it as a concept, but I think Tony was just like, no, I don't think we can do this. Right. So I think, you know, with that being just the last movie, well, unless you count Far From Home, this is a, a new toy, so to speak, for us to play with in the MCU is time travel. So that, I think that has something to do with it. And I just think it's just well done. We said in our review of the entire series of Falcon Winter Soldier that we felt that that series felt more like an MCU movie than WandaVision. I think this feels more like a movie than WandaVision did as well. 
Not that I disliked WandaVision. I really liked WandaVision. But I think WandaVision was meant, I think I brought this up before, to kind of lay the table. Yeah, it was very centric to Wanda and Vision and where those characters are, were post-Endgame. But it was also kind of laying the table, or setting the table, I should say, for what Phase 4 was going to be. And I think you kind of got the same thing with the introduction of only a couple of new characters in Falcon Winter Soldier. This is very hyper-focused because it's really just that one character of Loki. They've probably introduced as many, if not more, new characters in this than they did in the other two series. But because it's just hyper-focused on that one character, Loki, as opposed to the two you had to do in the other two, that probably has something to do with it. Yeah. And let's be honest, Loki's a fan favorite. It goes back to just what I said about Tom Hiddleston doing it for so long and being so well accepted by the fan base. And I think we're doing a disservice if we don't mention the fact that it's pretty universally considered Loki's one, if not the only decent villain they've still got in the MCU. They've killed all of them off. I think Zemo can get to that level. I think Baron Mordo, who we'll talk about more later, I think can get to that level. I would love to see Vincent D'Onofrio's uh, Wilson Fisk. I think he could definitely get to that level. But they killed off Thanos. They've killed off Hela. They've killed off Ultron. Ultron, yeah. Though Ultron can always come back. He always does in the comics. Yeah. But they've really killed off all the big baddies. We know what we think is going to come. But Loki, for what it just is what it is, he's, he's the strongest villain they've got that the fans know on a regular basis in the MCU. Because I guess Red Skull is still around, but watching the Soul Stone on, on Voromir I really counts as a full-time villain anymore, does it? Right. I'll take a line from the wrestling world from one of your friends, and maybe he got it from somewhere else, but uh, James Mitchell, Sinister Minister. Mm-hmm. I remember he would say in his promos, the strong dominate the weak, but the clever dominate the strong. And Loki yep. is not only strong, he is also clever. So... Hence why he's yeah. one of the, the last villains standing from the from phase one. Well, you know, I I brought it up before when we've recorded. My favorite line in the entire MCU, television, movies, all together, is right before Thanos snaps his neck, he looks at Thanos and says, you'll never be a god. Right. When you watch Loki, you understand what, because I know I'm intimately knowledgeable about the character because I read Thor for years, that even if you don't agree with me, can you understand why this show has let you understand the fact that Loki said that is such a big thing. And what I had said last week, because I know people were trying to say that Loki's been humanized or something to that effect, where it was like the redemption of Loki to say that. Sure. I would say that Loki, even though he's a villain, look, Loki doesn't like to lose. And if Thanos nope. wins, Loki loses. So Loki will do and say things like that. And I think he actually meant that when he said that to Thanos. But yeah, he will ally with his brother and other heroes because it suits his purpose. Because he doesn't want to lose to the guy that's going to dominate the universe. Because Loki wants to dominate the universe too. So right, you know, <laughs> you're kind of you're kind of kind of elbowing in on my territory there, buddy. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think that if nothing else, the show is. Definitely driven home for me. That is my favorite line, and for the reasons why. Because it's Loki that said it. Loki is a god, which is also, I think, a nice dynamic in Loki. That how many times has he even says so himself in the last episode? I've died many times. He's always been able to kick out at two and a half. <laughs> right. And so 
being in this time TVA and with all the limitation with the collars that prevent him from using his his illusion powers and him discovering that you know inf- even infinity stones don't work in this world this is all new territory for him and we're getting to go along for the ride yeah and uh, cuz i think that's also why when there's been fights at the TVA like the fourth episode where we finally saw the timekeepers and i think we both talked off mic the fact that that timekeeper in the middle, the one, that, the robot that got got beheaded at the end, Get the fact that he, yeah, yeah, that he looked a whole lot like Kang. I don't think that was yep. accidental. I think that that was intentional. My thoughts as soon as the the episode was over, and this is before even the mid credit scene, which we we'll, we'll talk about here in a little bit. But I'm sitting there going, okay, now I see where they're going with the, with the TVA. This is Kang. Kang's mm-hmm. the one pulling the string. And you you had said Seth months ago before we'd ever seen any episodes and we're just ba- well, i don't think they have a trailer out yet they just alluded to this is going to be a time traveling loki the first thing you said to me off mic and then on mic was yeah this is kang yeah because yeah. we all know kang is a big baddie they need more big baddies and time travel well that's his whole shtick that's his gimmick why would you not and we of course months later find out they have cast an actor to play kang well you start doing the math right right and we know this is setting up, at least helping set up, Doctor Strange 2 or Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So I think it's very possible that we could see Baron Mordo show up as well. Why? Maybe he's trying to find his own gemstones or something to that effect. But if they are setting up uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and we know Baron Mordo's kind of Doctor Strange's Joker. He, he's the arch nemesis. He is. He is. Yeah. Without question. Yeah, so I think we we might see Baron Mordo in a, in, a, in a cameo as well. Well, we we got we got to see Lady Sif. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was a nice little. Yeah, and yeah. I can I remember that little, little, back to the like when they were kids and he, and Loki cut her hair. And mm-hmm. I can't remember the actress's name, but she's also did a, a cameo in the old Agents of Shield ABC show. So right. she's one of the few characters that's crossed over from the films into the television. Besides what Nick Fury. Right. And and it's also nice because I remember at the end of Ragnarok and the beginning of Infinity War, there was a lot of speculation online as to what about the Asgardians we didn't see on the ship with Thor and Loki. And the Russos immediately said, Valkyrie is alive. You will see her in Endgame. They said Sif was alive and she was off doing her own thing, but they never said anything else. And we did not see Sif in the big battle at the end of Endgame. And when we even got cameos by like the Ravengers and Howard the Duck, blinking you miss Howard the Duck, but he was still there. We didn't even get that at Lady Sif in the final battle with Thanos. So I know this was a a time loop that Mobius put Loki in, but it does kind of seem to validate the idea that Lady Sif is still around. Don't you agree? Yeah, yeah, and I think Jamie Alexander. I think that's the name. Looking for that's her as name. Far as the, that's yeah. her name. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, and um. So you so you're thinking Kang is basically behind the, the TVA. Yeah, because it seems to me like all these people like the Mobius character are essentially pulled out of their own timelines and then enslaved by him. And call it Jim Jones or whatever you want, he seems like he's almost like this mad cult leader who gets all the people that work for him to buy into this idea that they're saving time. And also if I recall correctly in the comics, TVA agents weren't they also cloned as well? I believe so. Yeah, so which yeah. would of course explain why they seemingly killed off Mobius at the end of the fourth episode. So it would not surprise me at all. Episode five, you're going to see Mobius show up, and Loki says you're dead, and be like, "What?" You know? Use the proper term, pruned. 
Yeah. You know, which I find funny to use the Christian idea or, or even pagan idea of the tree of life. But then when you throw in Loki and you understand Norse mythology and, you know, Yagdrasil, the tree, you know, the, the world tree, that the fact they're using like a gardening term, I find that kind of ironic, you know? Right. The other possibility, I'll throw this out there for Mobius, is that may have been some sort of illusion that was pruned because remember how it yeah. was at the end of Thor Dark World where we thought Loki got killed off uh, and then, of course, he but he was actually But and... he was actually posing as Odin. <laughs> right, right. So it, it would not surprise me if Mobius and Loki came up with something right then and there, right before they, they left the time loop to, to face... Uh, uh, Ravonna, that's or that's one is. of my favorite scenes in all the MCU as well. When Loki breaks, the, you know, Tom Edison breaks the fourth wall, looks right at you as as the audience directly into the camera. Thank you, brother. After yeah. Thor said, oh, "I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave Asgard and and go back to the Earth." That's what Loki wanted all along, anyways. You know, right. he wanted to have Asgard to himself, and that's what you're talking about earlier. Is like Loki would he have liked Thor to to been much more humble or much more defeated? Yeah, but at the end of the day. I win. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I right. get what I wanted. I win. So that's just Loki as a character. And going by the timeline now, this is a Loki that is going to be after the Loki that we're seeing in this series here. So right, because I think I also said last week that I think both of these Lokis, assuming that it's true that Sylvie is a, a lady Loki from some other dimension or whatever it is, it seems like what they've done. I think what the director had said, Kate Heron, was they essentially amalgamated a female version of Loki with the Enchantress to make mm. this MCU incarnation. It right. would not surprise me at all if both of these Lokis are lying to each other because they both have ulterior purposes because they're, or I should say glorious purpose, because, <laughs> because it's Loki. Everything <laughs> yeah. Loki says, everything Loki does is to benefit one person. That's Loki. He is the god of mischief. The god of lies. Yep. It's almost, and this wouldn't be the first time MCU's done it, I think they're trolling. I, I tend to think it is it is more of an enchantress than it is a lady Loki, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take at face value what the, what the showrunner said. But I think there's this very polarizing thing online amongst fan base now, with half kind of wanting more of that new school woke gender swap ethnicity swap, and then there's the other side, the other half of the fan base that's just like is offended that there's even a sniff of that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And the way they did this, you can look at it either way. Yeah. If you follow that first camp, you're like, oh, that's awesome. They're making they're making Loki a female. But if you're not in that camp, you're like, oh, this is awesome. They brought another cool character, the Enchantress, into the. So that's like that's that's pretty clever. That's pretty clever how they've done it, <laughs> in my opinion. I don't think I said it on Mike, but we were seeing all the headlines of Loki being gender fluid and all that. In right. hindsight, I think that may have been prep to show that, oh, we got a female Loki as, a, as right. an antagonist in this. You know, I had a discussion about this. Oh, you know, uh, oh, well, now I guess we know that, that Loki's bisexual. And I'm like, if you, you don't read the comics, you wouldn't know this. No, he's not bisexual. He's pansexual. If you know the Loki character for his long run of the comics, I mean, he's the father of Fenrir, the wolf that's supposed to kill Odin during Ragnarok. How did that happen in real North? Loki transformed into a wolf and mated with a female wolf. I, Loki doesn't care. I don't know if, if, if mating and sexuality to Loki is the same as we look at it. Right. Because he or, is. Well, yeah. he's actually not even, a, I was going to say an Aesir, which is the, the race of Norse gods like Odin and Thor. He's, he's a Jotun. He's a giant, you know, frost giant. 
Right. So right. I don't know if they look at sexuality the same way us lowly Midgard humans do, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> this is just, I just love the toy people. They're trolling. They're trolling. And the whole story of Loki giving birth to an eight-legged horse that became Odin's horse. Was right. that a sexuality thing or was that Loki being up to, again, Loki. an ulterior Loki motive? Stuff. Because the whole reason yeah. he did that was to distract the male horse that was that another frost giant was using to help create this wall around Asgard. And if he created the wall within a year, uh, he would get like the most beautiful goddess of Asgard. So Loki did that basically to sabotage that guy's work so he wouldn't yeah, get he was, his end was, of the bargain. He was trying to attract Freya, who mm-hmm. was right under Frigga, or Frigg actually is a real term in, in Norse mythology. We know Raider Nuso's character. Mm-hmm. Who is and, and let's face like it, the, if you're going yeah. to have a beautiful mother of the gods, Rene Russo, it's a good choice. Yeah, she was. And so it's hard for me because I'm a big fan of Norse mythology. Go figure, I'm a Led Zeppelin fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had read a lot of stuff on Norse mythology concurrently as a kid with my reading of Thor and obviously Stan and Jack and those guys borrowed from real, real life Norse mythology. But at the same time, this was their own spin. And what's really blowing my mind is I think I'd mentioned the last episode. I'm currently playing uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla on video game. It's the current video game I'm playing. So there's this Assassin's Creed universe take on the Norse mythology. I kind of have to check myself and go, which one was the real Norse? Which was the Marvel take? And which one is the, the Assassin's Creed universe? Because they're, they're, I mean, they're all the same characters, but there's a little bit different. But that, I guess that leads me to ask, because we, we were going to talk the comic world of Norse and, and Stan's interpretation. How did you read that mid credit scene? Where Loki woke up in a like post-apocalyptic New York? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I was assuming that all of those other characters were other Loki variants. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as why they're all in the same apocalyptic New York, that I'm not sure of. I'm thinking maybe it's a version of New York where uh, maybe Thanos won or uh, maybe or Ultron even Loki, won or something. Or even Loki won with the Chari. Okay, yeah. That's probably the best thought there because that would put it about the same time frame as well. Or, or Tony doesn't divert the uh, nuclear bomb and the bomb goes off on Manhattan Island. What I found interesting was of the three individuals we see, the one on the right was portrayed by the actor Richard E. Grant, who I'm sure you know who he is. He's a British actor. For me, as a horror guy, I first remember him playing Redfern, who was the witch hunter in the 80s uh, horror movie The Warlock with Julian Sands as the Warlock. He was really good in that. And then he played Dr. Seward in the Francis Ford Coppola, Bram Stoker's Dracula in the early 90s with Gary Oldman as, as Count Dracula. Mm-hmm. So that's my take. He's a good actor. I've seen him in like BBC shows too. But I found it interesting, not only did they cast a British actor that's well-known in this little bit role, which I think is going to be expounded upon, they had him with a long ponytail and in a very 60s Marvel comic Thor or Loki costume. He basically looked like he was cosplaying. Yes, with the green and the, yes, the big horns. And, you know, Loki was always portrayed back then as having this long ponytail. Well, it looked like he had a ponytail in that, too. The guy on the left was an uh, African-American, or I don't know if he's African, just of African descent. He's a black man. He looked more like Thor to me than he did a variant of Thor, because he had like a, didn't he look at a a version of Mjolnir, and there was like lightning and stuff? Yeah, and and I believe Richard E. Grant, I, I want to say he was an Imperial in the episode he 9 was. of Star Wars. I think he, he was, was the guy that he was gunned in, down Hux, I think. Uh, yeah, he took Huxley's place in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. 
No, 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 not Rise of Skywalker. Last Jedi. Last Jedi. Okay. I think it's the when he's first introduced, but you're right. Well, which is probably why Disney was able to hire him. But I was thinking, once again, I'm going to remember I'm currently playing this Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is more the pantheon of the gods than what we get in Marvel. I'm wondering if that was supposed to be like a variant of Thor, a variant of Loki, and I'm thinking the the the, the look like a younger person was Tyr. Tyr was a character that is introduced in the old Jack Kirby as Stan Lee Thor stuff from the 60s. Tyr was a real Norse god. He's Odin's brother, and he has his hand bit off by Fenrir. I'm wondering if that's supposed to be him. I couldn't really see if you only have one hand. We know it's not Heimdall because we know who Heimdall is. You know? Right. That's Idris Elba. But if these are variants, who knows? Yeah, and are we to assume that the alligator was also a version of Loki as well? Or Yeah. He yeah. still it had was, the, it was very, the very, helmet. It was going to be very strange. So maybe the alligator sentient and there's actually four. I always kind of saw it more the gay alligator looked like it was on a leash by that the, the smaller, younger actor. Mm-hmm. Like it was know? a pet. So who knows? Obviously, you don't dangle that carrot unless you're going to pay it off. So I guess we're going to have to wait till later this week when the new Loki drops and see where they go with it. Yeah, because there, there was a story in the comics where Thor was turned into a frog. Yes, by Loki. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, which I still find it hilarious in the first episode. We find out that Loki actually was D.B. Cooper. And that was all because of some, like he lost some bet to Thor or something. <laughs> right, right. That 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 was a thing. It was in the trailers, and it it jumped out at me. No pun intended. Was when you see right. Loki jump off in that that suit, and then you know, I was like, are they trying to say Loki was DB Cooper? <laughs> so. And then we we get that episode. We find out, yeah, he is. And since DB Cooper was never, no body was ever recovered. He was never seen again. The idea that Loki jumps out of the plane and Heimdall opens up the Bifrost, so. There you go, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we explain why he doesn't. So I guess to kind of summarize our predictions, you're, you're saying Kang's behind the TVA, right? Yep, and I think whatever those three entities that we saw from the end of the big credit scene, that's going to pay off this episode. Next yeah, episode. yeah. But that's yeah, my definitely. big prediction. The, yeah. uh, and, I, and third, I agree with you, Mobius ain't dead. Right. I don't know how they're going to bring him back or how they're going to explain it, but you're not going to kill off Owen Wilson halfway through the run of the show, are you? Right. We, we haven't even gotten a wow yet, so... <laughs> wow. You yeah. got to do it the right way. That soft wow. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of like what the woe is for uh, Keanu Reeves, the wow for uh, Owen oh. Wilson. <laughs> they ever done I a movie together? Yet they, to un- they have it, but they both play surfer-type dudes, so they need to. Yeah, yeah. I, they, they, there needs to be a movie where, at the same time, uh, Keanu Reeves goes woe and, and Owen Wilson says wow. Yeah, and I still don't know. I've never heard the story behind the scar that Owen has on his nose, but I'm sure it's an interesting story. <laughs> and I can't ever remember him without it, so it makes me think he probably got it in childhood. Yeah, and I'm, Maybe I'm thinking... Maybe Luke hit him upside the head with a baseball bat or something. <laughs> yeah, so my first thought is that there was a trick involved with Loki, and w- what we saw get zapped as far as... Oh, actually, no. Well, if his magic doesn't work, I think they said in the in the TVA that when they're in the, the confines of the TVA, the magic doesn't work because they're not in any... Oh, I think it does work once they get the collars off, and the collar was off at that point. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Or it could, it could be they just bring clones in, and then the next Mobius, when Mobius shows up again, he's going to have no recollection of... Uh, right, w- work it out with it, and he, he's basically going to be back to what he was. In the it's first it, it's an LMD, Seth. It's an yeah, LMD. Exactly. <laughs> I'm saying we're going to see Baron Mordo at least in a cameo of some sort. Okay, uh, and uh, I think there was one more that, that that we were talking about as far as uh, 
You're you're by, you're you're kind of feeling the same though about Kang too, correct? Yeah, yeah. If, if he's not the the one behind it, it's like he's, he's gonna show, show up, <laughs> right? Right. He we're gonna get him in in some capacity. We already got the Easter egg for that, especially since the Ravona characters is involved with him in some. Depending on the timeline, I think they're they're like romantically involved. That effect. Well, let me ask you um, this: Yeah, Ravona is like his mistress slash queen slash intelligence officer oracle to his batman i mean there mm-hmm. it's a very strange relationship <laughs> professional and personal right this is not any speculation i just wanted to hear your thoughts on it before we take a break and then move on why and this could be nothing more it could be just as simple as well it's just the look that the showrunners want to go with why is all the tech in the TVA, like stuck in like 1972, yeah, like I the thought, computer screens and, and mm, the dot know. matrix you, printer, you know. Yeah, you you noticed that as well, didn't you? It's like all that yeah. orange dot matrix stuff. You're like, what the heck? Yeah, yeah, and, and that that was intentional. I think they did that specifically for the comedy effect. I thought it was hysterical that here they are able to pinpoint any any point in time over a multiverse, and on the printouts is, is on a you know 1978 dot matrix. You know, and it's. I play the fan, the Fallout video games, and they have that fifty aesthetic. But there's an explanation in their backstory as to why that exists, because it's an alternate timeline where microprocessors and chips were never developed, so everything was still nuclear vacuum tubes. So culturally, a lot of things were still stuck with that fifties, early sixties, and that is the explanation in Fallout as to why that's why the aesthetics are. And it was mm-hmm. done for comedic effects in by the game developer but there has mm-hmm. been no explanation here and like you said it might be just a comedic thing that the showrunners came up with but i was like wow you know yeah i mean it's like it looks like it looks like the old adam west back computer <laughs> right right but one other thing i'll throw out there as a prediction i think there may be a setup so that the loki that you see at the end of End game, you know, you'll never be a god or something that effect. There's a backup plan now for that. So either that Loki that dies is a variant or it's uh, uh, another illusion or something to that effect. Because I know, like I said, people think that this is somehow redemption of Loki. And I think Loki's just too devious for that. Nick Fury could always send him to Tahiti, but <laughs> right, <laughs> right, because well, it is our... a magical place after all, right? <laughs> right. But I just remember one of our friends talking about seeing Dark World with uh, his girlfriend, and she like started crying during the Loki quote unquote death scene. And he was like, uh-huh. "No, no, this is Loki. This is Loki we're talking about." And of course, like we said earlier, at the end of the movie, gotten the throne of Asgard. So I, I think we're going to get some sort of explanation for kind of sympathetic Loki that we got at, in, in Ragnarok. I think might, might actually be yeah, a start about Loki. kind of starting about Ragnarok on. Yeah, yeah. Right, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to dive into all things Black Widow and prep for the Black Widow film. This is Geekville Radio, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for a gaming themed podcast? Check out You Just Got Fragged. Join host Jared Aubrey and his panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world, and of course, the gripe of the week. That's all at YouJustGotFragged.com, part of the Wrestling Brethren podcast family. All Time Lords and Ladies, Geekville Radio presents Examining the Doctor, a weekly look at everybody's favorite Time Lord, the Doctor. Join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor to favorite and not-so-favorite episodes of Doctor Who. From Hartnell to Capaldi, Examining the Doctor provides episode commentaries for classic and current Doctor Who fans alike. 
Examine a Doctor, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at geekgoradio.com. We are back. We're going to dive into all things Black Widow. We said in preparation for the Black Widow movie, which is finally coming out after over a year in delay because of COVID. So we do know, Marvel's been upfront about this, that, that this takes place shortly after Captain America Civil War. Obviously, because anybody who's seen right. Endgame knows that Natasha died at about, I would say, what, about the, the end of the second act in in Endgame? Yeah, I told you, I've just in the past week and a half, have rewatched all the movies of the MCU in timeline order. And I paid close attention to the end of Civil War. And it was kind of a throwaway line. But when Sam asked her, what are you going to do? She goes, well, I got some business to take care of. I think that's a perfect launching off point for where they're going to start. Right, right. And as far as the character goes, she first made an appearance in the anthology comics that Stan was writing in the 60s before a lot of stuff had its own uh, title. Like, like those Tales to Astonish was what became Iron Man, right? No, Tales to Astonish was Ant-Man, Wasp, and Hulk. Because you remember even, even what's the Corey Stoll character from, from Ant-Man? Yellow Jacket. He even says that one time. He's like, oh, Tales to Astonish, which I thought was a nice little Easter egg. I think, what was the one? Theirs was... Something the unknown, maybe? Oh, Tales, Tales of, of suspense. suspense. There we go. Yeah, Tales of Suspense. And then the third one was how they, uh, Amazing Fantasy was how they introduced Spider-Man. And then the, the other one that I remember was Strange Tales. And Strange Tales was Doctor Strange, of course. And I think Johnny Storm and the Thing. And the bumpers in between their stories was like the three of them often playing cards with Nick Fury and Nick telling his stories. So Journey into Mystery. Yes, Journey into Mystery was Thor. Right, right. And Tales of Suspense, I think, was uh, Iron Man. Who else was in that one? I'm trying to remember. Iron Man and Cap, I guess. Yeah, I think you're right. So it probably would have been The Watcher. Yeah, probably would have been The Watcher introducing those, the what-if stories. Don't have that kind of stuff. Everybody's got their own solo titles now. But But anyway, Black Widow first appeared in Tales of Suspense, and she was a villain. Because remember, this was the 60s. Everything was... Cold, Cold War. Cold War, the communists, and all that. And she was uh, a spy and essentially, I think, had had like the Soviet version of the super soldier serum uh, in her. So she was a little bit more enhanced than a normal human. And, and uh, uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm not remembering. I was thinking like Red Guardian got their super soldier serum and she just had like kind of like the Bionic Woman or Six Million Dollar Man to like enhance her reflexes and stuff. Anyway, you look, it doesn't really matter. She's in right. she is enhanced, not to the levels I think of cap. But definitely enhanced. That isn't brought up a lot in the movie, but the way she moves, you would believe it, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the Red Room was training ground for essentially for these female spies and assassins. They touch on that a little bit in Age of Ultron, but you also kind of saw the origin of that in Agent Carter because... Agent Carter with the the Dottie character, she was kind of the uh, original Red Room graduate, if I recall correctly. She essentially was. It looked like she was basically based off the original Black Widow from the uh, from the sixties. Right. Maybe it was a little bit of both because it's here over here. They got biotechnology and something about her white blood cells. So I don't know. You throw in that with the training she got in the Red Room. She's she's a badass. There's no doubt about right. that. Right. Exactly. She's uh, basically in short. She's. A uh, peak athlete who's also enhanced a bit, which puts her at uh, beyond human capabilities as far as what she's capable of. Now, I don't think they really 
delve into that in the movies. I don't think they've actually depicted her as being enhanced, but who knows? We might we might get that in this Black Widow movie because it, it seems like it's going to right. delve into her origins. Right, and the, the the title Black Widow, I do remember this from the comics. That's just kind of became her name when she defected from from the Soviet Union and joined Shield. She switched from being a, a villain to a hero. The Black Widow was actually a, a, a program the KGB was running that ran the Red Room, and that's what she was trained in. Because I think this is, well, you know, like retconning, which always happens in comics, as we know. Right. The original Black Widow was uh, Yelena Belova, I believe was her name, or something else. Sound, sounds about right, because I think to kind of bridge the gap between the 60s and the modern age, they they made the current one, the current Natasha, as be like like a daughter or... Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a younger generation than the one from the 60s. But regardless, we saw that already in the MC because I cannot remember what the name was of the character, but they introduced that character in the 1950s or late 1940s in the second season of the Agent Carter show. I, the, the character, I know she went by Dottie. Right, yeah, but that was like, I think that was like just her, her like fake that, name. That, that, was, you know? that was the fake name, but she she was connected. They were calling it Leviathan. Right. But I think her real name was something else, wasn't it? Eh, it doesn't matter. But I, I, I remember when that came out, I was like, oh, they're they're laying the groundwork. Because when that show came out, there was that huge grassroots movement of fans. Why has Black Widow not gotten a solo movie? And mm-hmm. we didn't know that they already had in the works to make one. They just hadn't announced it yet. Right. I, I, yeah, I think you're right that the, the at least as far as the MCU goes, Dottie was essentially based on the Yelena Belova take on the character. But I, I believe that's Florence Pugh's, Pugh's character in the Black Widow the movie. movie. They're, they're actually calling her. Well, yeah, like I said, that character, the, the one that we saw in Agent Carter, that kind of Yelena Belova, I think that character, if I remember right in the comics, was one of those retcon things. Like Black Widow was introduced, and it wasn't until like what the probably the 80s that they retconned and showed you there was other Black Widows even before Natasha. Mm, so, yeah, but I've always wondered why they brought up the enhancement because that was the one thing when the MCU was announced and they started with the movies. And they, I knew right away in Iron Man 2 when as soon as Scarlett Johansson showed up, and you know, that funny scene where she whoops happy's butt is like i'm like oh this is going to be their take on black widow and sure enough i was right <laughs> and well the red hair kind of gave it away right right and so i i knew right away that that was going to be their take on it and uh, i'm like hmm i wonder if they're going to stick to the comic books or are they going to go their own route and then it's never really ever mentioned again that she's enhanced and i'm like yeah, she's going toe-to-toe with Chitauri in hand-to-hand combat, and the way she just quickly dispatched all those guys, and it, you know, when they go back to Hammer Industries in, in that movie, I'm like, yeah, they may not be saying it, but she's in hand, you know? And uh, as far as the name Black Widow, if I recall correctly, didn't the KGB double-cross her husband? I think so. I I, I, I remember early, and this is getting kind of, this kind of gray to me, one of the things I know about Black Widow is, I don't want to say she's a hoochie, but she's dated about half the male characters in the in the Marvel universe, hasn't mm-hmm. she? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it started out with a relationship with Hawkeye, and that's one of the reasons that she joined the Avengers in the first place. And I think mm-hmm. she also hooked up with Daredevil for a while. Oh yeah, um, I remember there was that. You remember that that real dark turn once Frank Miller took over Daredevil, where 
Karen Page went off and became like a porn star and a drug addict and then got, then got AIDS and all that stuff. I think in that time that she was gone and all that was happening, if I remember, it was when Matt was dating her. And I, I want to say she's she dated Cap for a while, didn't she? Could be. I think, I think Bucky for a while as well. After he came back as Winter Soldier. Right, right. Yeah, after he, after he whatever. So I think the, the Hawkeye, what you're talking about, in the MCU, that was their take on it. Instead of making them lovers, this made them really, really good friends. And then made Hawkeye married. So for me personally, get making Hawkeye the, the family man helped to ground that character for what they the stories they were telling in the MCU. Personally, yeah, you know? yeah. And I actually think, and I know I'm not alone in this. I don't obviously don't want to get too far away from Black Widow, but I thought them setting up showing that Hawkeye was a family man, married in the whole nine yards, was a red herring. Because because they were think they were going to tease that they're going to kill off Hawkeye and right I think I think that's family, true too I agree yeah, with you yeah. giving him a family would have added weight to his his loss now in a way it kind of did because obviously at the beginning of Endgame we see Hawkeye losing his family and that's what pushes him down the path to become the the Ronin which once again they never fully say he's Ronin but all his comic book readers know the Clint that was approached by Nat hey we need you in this fight that's the Ronin that. Clint. That's right. not the Hawkeye Clint. So, I, I mean, that seems to be the one thing, other than the red hair, for me, from the comics that has maintained is Clint and Natasha are close, and she has red hair. I think everything else is either implied or very different from what or what we've seen. And yeah. maybe some of those gaps get filled in this movie, you know? Yeah, because yeah, I remember, I think it was in uh, Age of Ultron, where it's like suddenly, like, Black Widow and Bruce Banner have some sort of romantic ties. And when did this happen? I don't think it happened in the comics, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I think her and Tony dated for a while too, didn't they? Yeah, I, I think so. Then again, then Tony it, is a notorious womanizer. He's, so. yeah. yeah, we know Tony gets around as well because, well, right, billionaire playboy, entrepreneur, philanthropist, or whatever he says, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you and me talk about all the time when we talk about the MCU and the DCEU. As hardcore comics fans, it's always interesting to us to see how much is going to be brought over from the comics and how much is going to be created whole cloth and how much is going to be somewhere in between. Right, right. And I'm thinking personally with this movie coming out, a lot of those questions for hardcore comic geeks like you are going to get answered. What say ye? Yeah, I think there's a couple things here. Uh, I guess we're kind of moving on into the prediction. Because if I recall correctly, like we were talking about earlier, her husband was Red Guardian. And this, it looks like Red Guardian is kind of more of a father figure to right. her and Yelena. Now, I, as far as current or at least recent Marvel continuity, I've, I've gotten a bit behind in some of my comic reading. They actually did kill off Natasha, but then had a clone. Kind of going back to what we were talking about before, about possibly cloning Mobius. It's an LMD! (laughs) Right, right, exactly. So it would not surprise me if we find out that there's a clone or some DNA sample or something to that effect of Natasha so they can bring her back into movies. It also would not surprise me if Yelena becomes the new Black Widow, kind of going back to the villains. One thing I did find interesting, and we've seen it from the trailers, Scarlett Johansson is not even attempting, and never has, at a Russian accent, whereas mm-hmm. Pew and, 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 and Harbor and them, they're, they're doing the Russian accent. Wasn't she always depicted in animated stuff and in the comics as having a Russian accent even years after defecting to the United States? Yes, yes. Yeah. And I know people have given uh, Scarlet crap for that. To me, I, I never had a problem with it 
because the whole shtick with her is she's a super spy. So, right. so it would make sense because otherwise it would be like, okay, guys, I think we may have a, a Russian spy amongst us. Who could it be? Oh, gee, maybe it's the one with a Russian accent. But when they talk like that, in Mother Russia, yeah, you're kind of like, well, what gave it away? I also think it could be one of those things like the Kevin Costner in Robin Hood back in the early 90s where he called that crap for not doing a British accent. And mm-hmm. my understanding on that one is about two or three days into shooting, I, I think the director was Chris Columbus, who, of course, is British himself. Mm-hmm. Just looked at Costner and said, stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're not yeah. good at this. Just speak because your normal language. If, if, if you do a bad accent, you're essentially insulting the people who you're trying right. to fake the accent. It's notorious that Dick Van Dyke had a horrible English accent in one of the movies he did. And, uh, Mary Poppins. Yeah. So it's... <laughs> I, I've heard several English people just, just butcher that movie because it was offensive how right. bad his English accent. Well, uh, you know, as much as we praise to stay in the MCU, as much as we praise Benedict Cumberbatch for pulling off that educated northerner accent that he does as Doctor Strange, because Stephen Strange is a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. I cannot remember that other movie he did uh, where, of course, I was personally offended where he tried to pull off a southern accent, a Georgia accent. I was like, please, no, Benedict. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> Which I find hilarious because the Southern drawl probably has more in common with the British accent than the Northern accent yeah, does. Yeah, but, it, <laughs> it seems like if you're doing the stereotypical, no offense train, but the stereotypical kind of dumber American, it seems they kind of associate that with the Southern accent in the States. And in right. England, they kind of associate that with the Cockney English accent. They're like, oi, oh, oi. You <laughs> know, I, I, I was watching something the other day and they had a, a, a Scottish gentleman on there. It was a documentary. And he said like three lines. I'm like, can I have an interpreter, please? I know he's speaking English, but with that heavy Scottish brogue and the and and the, the dialect of Scottish English is like, yeah, I need subtitles. You yeah, know? <laughs> I, I, quite frankly, I think um, David Tennant's like that you know, sometimes. Yes. Sometimes I, I have to I have to rewind. Say, what did he say again? <laughs> so- all these like terrible flashbacks to the old newsreels of like the Sex Pistols in the seventies. I mean, they were. Working class Londoners, you know, they had that accent. Mm-hmm. So you're like, well, what did they say? Mike Myers has always said his accent that he he put on for Austin Powers because his even though he's Canadian, his parents are actually from Liverpool, and his friends would come over and they thought it was so cool. Your parents sound just like the Beatles. No, that's not cool, man. <laughs> My parents <laughs> should not sound like the Beatles. But uh, accents are a funny thing, you know. And with with Scarlett, maybe that's simply what it is. She tried a Russian accent, and they said, nope. Right. And like you said, for storytelling purposes, you can just easily say she's a master spy. And we know she speaks multiple languages. Because in the first Avengers, they depict her as uh, speaking Russian. Because the the multiple language thing is brought up in one of the in, – I, I think it is in Iron Man 2 when Tony's reading all the languages. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he even makes a joke about Latin. Does anybody even speak Latin anymore? And did she <laughs> say something in Latin too? So, did you have any predictions or anything? What like do you, do you think we will get her written off, or we might get a hint that she <sighs> might come back for future movies? I'm basing this more on an interview that Scarlett did uh, a month or two ago. I do think it is. I think she's kind of like where RDJ is with the Tony Stark character. I think Scarlett Johansson feels that she's done all she can do with the character. So. And, and- Oh. I don't know. I'm with you. I don't know if the character of Black Widow is necessarily going to die. But I think Scarlett Johansson portraying the Natasha Romanoff version of the Black Widow, maybe this might be right. the swan song. Right. Because, you know? of course, in the comic world, characters don't age. And that's why right. you can have 
an 80th anniversary of Captain America. Unfortunately, in the real world, we all age. And eventually she would have to be replaced uh, anyway. I'm just glad that she got, because we were, we geeks, as soon as we heard she was going to be an Iron Man 2, just like, oh, okay, so the next Marvel movie will be a, a Black Widow movie. And we're like... Okay, and it was, the next, and it the next one, the next one. Okay, now we're going to get a Black Widow movie. Okay, now you know, another thing we didn't no. bring up on her powers <laughs> that once again is alluded to. Maybe they'll deal, they'll delve more into it in this movie. She's also a master hypnotist, and they never really say that in the movies. They you see that in that scene at the beginning of the first Avengers where she's tied up and. And and she's telling Coulson on the phone, man, I'm getting ready. This guy's getting ready to spill everything. She's like that manipulative. She manipulates right. Loki, remember, on, right. on on the helicarrier. So I I don't know if they're ever going to go into the fact she's a hypnotist. She just because of her spy training is able to get people to reveal information they probably wouldn't reveal otherwise. Yeah, yeah, it it makes sense. So all right, so that was kind of a crash course in. I can't say all things Black Widow because the the characters there, got. She's like a, a long, yeah, twisted, winding history. Yeah, yeah. We, we there, there's uh, there's like a sixty year history with the character, but in 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 short, she was a KGB agent that defect, defected to the states, joined Shield, joined the Avengers, and this looks like it's going to reflect back on her KGB days. So we'll probably right. see some flashbacks of her being a villain as well. And we know we know that exists because that's already been stated. The that those heavier moments with her and Clint, uh, I got read on my ledger. Somebody was sent to kill me, and they had different ideas, and so now I'm a good guy. Right. So I, I def- definitely think those will be filled in. I think the biggest thing they're going to come out of this movie, besides this being the end of Scarlet's portrayal of the, of Natasha, I do think, like you said, you know, Pew will be maybe upgraded to being a a, a regular, and this the, the new Black Widow. I don't think you dangle a Taskmaster without expecting them to stick around, do you? Right. My hunch is Taskmaster, and this is only one man's speculation here. I think Taskmaster is going to turn out to be the Rachel Weiss character because she is supposedly right, okay. the one that trained them. She's, okay. she's kind of like the mother character to those two. So I think it'll be kind of that double whammy of we get Taskmaster, but we find out that Taskmaster is a woman. Because Taskmaster is one of those characters. I know he's got an identity in the comics and all that. It, it, it doesn't uh, matter. Right, he he's a he's a guy that can just watch a fighting technique and then instantly understand it. But right. he's never really been an A-lister in the comics, so I'm cool with them going a different route and having a different identity because the so, multiple taskmaster. Sure. Do you think this is a one-off for Red Guardian David Harbor, or do you think he we see him again? I think we may see him again in a supporting role in some capacity. I don't think he's going to like get his own movie. Or- no, 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 no. But you wouldn't be surprised if he popped up again in another movie. Then, yeah, yeah, glorified cameo or something like that. Sure. I, I'm assuming you're going to see it this opening weekend? Definitely, definitely. I haven't yeah, decided I have yet. Too, so, so I'm, you know, ladies and gentlemen, fully expect a review next week. <laughs> Absolutely. And this has been Geekville Radio. A little bit different of an episode, like I said. It kind of is a supplement to last week's episode, but... We are at Geekville Radio. If you're hearing us, an addendum, so to speak, right? (laughs) Yeah. If you're hearing us for the first time, you can find us on all the major podcast platforms: Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Just do a search for Geekville Radio. You can find us there. You can subscribe or follow us and uh, give us a review. Let us know what we're doing well. Let us know what we do better. You can respond to any of the posts at GeekvilleRadio.com and social media. Facebook and Twitter is at Geekville Radio on a train. If anybody wants to get a hold of you as far as comics or wrestling or whatever, where can they find you? Always find me on Twitter at crazy train underscore JB. 
I uh, also have that handle on on Spotify and Instagram, just about any social media platform out there. I also am uh, an administrator on the, the the Facebook page, so I can get it that way too. Yeah, anything you want to talk about Marvel or wrestling or music or whatever, I'm, I'm willing to talk. All right, that's going to wrap up this episode of Geek for Radio. We'll talk to you folks again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the host and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of geekvilleradio.com, a1-wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved.